Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I am your host. My name is Steve, and please say hello also to my co-host, Kyle. Say hello, Kyle. Greetings, y'all. And tonight, we are going to be armchair booking the top ten third-generation wrestlers. And by third generation, we mean they had a parent who was a wrestler and they had a grandparent who was a wrestler. Because there was one, and I, I could tell you about Kyle, who he had a grandparent who was a wrestler but not a parent. And it actually kind of surprised me. you know. But before we get into that, I want to tell you how you can contact us. You can email us at armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com. You can go to facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast. You can hit us up on Twitter, at Booking Armchair. You can find us on iHeartRadio, on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Now, however you listen to your podcast, just go on there and give us a listen. And give us a review, hopefully five stars. Give us any kind of feedback that you, you think we might need. Give us any kind of suggestions. We are always welcome. So, in that case, Kyle, have I missed anything? No, I think you covered everything. Did you cover Twitter and I cover Twitter, Twitter at Booking Armchair, yep, and Facebook, facebook.com slash armchair booking podcast. I think you're all set. Good, and so I want to say hello to all our listeners out there in the U.S. and the U.K., and apparently we have a listener now in Bangladesh. Hello. You know, now before we actually start listening to the, the top ten third generation wrestlers, we'll go ahead and take our first commercial break. And we are back. So, Kyle, how how easy was this list for you? This was the hardest list I think we'd ha- had to come up with. Yes, and I honestly, when we came up with this idea, I'm thinking, oh, this will be cake. It was not. Because I'm thinking there's a ton of third-generation wrestlers out there and that are good enough to make this kind of list. And no, there's there's... There's a few third generation, but a lot of them are still doing indie stuff and not doing all that great in the indies. But they're listed, you know. So it, few, the list kind of really dropped off. Yeah, <laughs> and and there were some that um, I was kind of surprised um, when I found out they were third generation. Um, some that are WWE superstars right now who apparently are also cousins are apparently cousins and their granddad was a wrestler. And so was their dad or their dads, I should say. Um, but, but yeah, some of and yeah, this was not an easy list. Um, but I will go ahead and get started because right now I'm just kind of rambling. But our number 10, that would be Curtis Axel, son of Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, Hennig, Hennig, there I go again, and grandson of Larry the Axe Hennig, hence the name, hence the name Curtis Axel. So, 
first wrestler on the list, Intercontinental Champion, Tag Team Champion, very much like his father before him. WWE never used him properly, really. Oh, I agree. Because he he started as Michael McGillicuddy. Who came up with that name? What a terrible name for a wrestler. Yeah, that uh, it, it, it's like they were just pulling random names out of a phone book. And so here we go. Well, we'll give you a name that there's no way that's going to get over because we don't want to have to put that name on a nameplate for a belt. Right. And so, I, I wouldn't, you know, somebody said, you know, they wanted to come and fight me. They said, well, your name's Michael McGillicuddy. I don't know if I could take it seriously. You know, now he may punch me in the teeth a few times and make me think otherwise, but at the same time, I'd be laughing at first at the name. So, yeah, that doesn't sound like a serious name. Well, but but a very good wrestler, though. So that's the thing. I mean, like you said, they were misusing him. A, a good fundamental wrestler, personality-wise, other than maybe what he, the tag team with Ryback when he was part of Rybaxel or <laughs> when he was with Bo Dallas. I liked, I liked it when he was with Bo Dallas. Uh, right. I don't know why they broke that team up, but... They were over. They were so over. Never... Um, can you name a memorable segment with him, though? Well, they won the, the tag team titles at one point when they were um oh my god, what was their what was their name, Kyle? I do not remember the name of their tag team because it, the name was awesome. But he he didn't do anything tremendously memorable in Nexus. And what I remember most is when he got repackaged into Curtis Axel. And he got that awesome theme music. I don't remember the theme music. Because it's, it's been so long since... I mean, I, I think technically he's still in WWE. They just... He hasn't been... He hasn't showed up in a while. He's furloughed. He's part of the furlough crew. Okay. So... That kind of takes us to number nine, and, and someone higher on my list uh, because I watch a little New Japan and MLW. David Hart Smith, son of the British Bulldog, grandson of Stu Hart. Yes, and he's one of the ones, uh, and there's a there's a few like that where the lineage went. One parent, but then the grandparent was of the other parent. If that makes if that makes sense. Yes. Yes, but either so, way, they're still third generation. Tremendously gifted Matt wrestler, very accomplished in legitimate submission wrestling, and just starting to come into his own. I know he had an MLW title shot not too long ago before the pandemic. He was 
doing things with Lance Archer in New Japan. But we'll remember him as part of the Hart Dynasty on with, uh, oh my gosh, Tyson Kidd and Natalia. Yes, the or the, the way they, I guess they could have called it the new new Heart Foundation, but I like Heart Dynasty better. And then they also did a uh, a new foundation in MLW with Brian Pillman Jr. and Teddy Hart. Okay, and, that and they, that that they does were make really sense. good there, and that does make sense with uh, adding Pillman Jr. Uh, because. Of course, his dad, Flying Brian, was uh, part of the, the really reformed Heart Foundation in the, uh, well, I guess mid to late 90s. Um, but he also trained in the Heart Dungeon, so he's an honorary member of the Heart family anyway. But, um, but that's someone, maybe if he makes it to AEW, he, and gets used to his fullest potential. He could elevate up the list because he is, he's quite talented. Uh, do you think there's a chance he could go to WWE, like straight to WWE, or even through NXT? I don't think that he will go back to WWE. Okay. Because he, he did leave, uh, I believe it was a, a steroid or some sort of medication that he got popped for, and they penalized him harshly, even though he had a doctor's note. Unfortunately, too many memories of his dad, too. Right. And what what's the easiest schedule? Not right WWE. Now, well, right now, everybody, you know, wrestles in the same spot. Um, and once everything goes back to the real normal, um, and if they get back on the road again, WWE is, is by far the worst schedule out there as, as far as, like, the travel, being on the road and and whatnot. And AEW, uh, they were on the road, but not like not like WWE was. But um, speaking of the WWE, our next guy, and I don't know if this guy was actually put on furlough he, or he just hasn't shown up, but the partner of Curtis Axel and the B team, I was able to find it, Mr. Bo <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> yeah, the B team, I loved that. But, I mean, right. they, that was, they were good and lovable underdogs, but Bo Dallas, who is – Son of Mike Rotunda, a nephew, if you want to go that route, of Barry Windham and Kendall Windham, and the grandson, Blackjack Mulligan. And once again, it's uh, the grandfather is that, you know, he goes that, not a straight line, but kind of the other line, in a way, sort of. You know what I'm trying to say. I really enjoyed him as part of the B team. But my favorite, and I think they lost uh, a lot of potential with this, was the Bo Leaf gimmick. 
You have to believe. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you also liked it when he got smacked around by Brock Lesnar that one time and yes, survived. He went to Suplex City and survived. And so <laughs> but the the Bull Leave gimmick with the inspirational quotes before a match was just so ridiculous it was funny. And this is where I say he and his brother um remind me a lot of Randy Savage and Lanny Poffo. You know, and that's just another um another similarity. Because with Lanny coming out, making uh, the poems before uh, the matches would start. And Lanny was the, I don't want to say lesser known of the two, but, I mean, he, was, um, he wasn't in the main event spotlight that his older brother was. And it's kind of the same thing here. And another similarity, the WWE, of course, like back to the WWF, did not even acknowledge they were brothers. Right. And still haven't. Yep. And there was one match, I believe it was on Raw, this was a couple years ago, where it was whatever the Wyatt family was against the B team and somebody else. I don't remember who the third one was. But you could hear the fans. I mean, they were just waiting for them to end up in the ring at the same time. And when they did, it was only for about 30 seconds, but the crowd went nuts. But then one of them tagged out, you know, fairly quickly, you know, after that, I mean, they did lock up and they did a couple moves, but then it, it kind of ended I mean, and, it was, and hasn't been done again. Now, I guess they did acknowledge they were brothers in NXT, but since they both were in the main roster, nope. And I think that's, a, I think that's a shame because, you know, I think he would be a perfect Addition, the most natural addition to um, the Wyatt family. It would, it just makes sense. As it would under the current draft. Yes. Yeah, but of course they don't listen to us. They should, but they don't to their own detriment. But moving along. Uh, what can you say about our number seven? Well, number seven is one of my favorite wrestlers from the end of WCW because of Pepe the Horse. <laughs> and obviously everyone should know who we're talking about here. It's <laughs> Chavo Guerrero Jr. <laughs> yeah. You don't remember Pepe the Horse? Uh, no. Um, I should, but I don't. Because at the end of WCW oh, was... He, yeah. It, it, Pepe the Horse was a little stick figure horse. Or one of them horses that is on a broomstick that Eddie gave him as a punishment. And Chavo carried that thing around for like six months. And that 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 horse was in better angles than anything on WWE television right now. 
until Norman Smiley put him in the wood chipper. Oh. And uh, they brought Pepe back in WWE, but it, it just wasn't it wasn't the same. No, because if they had to pull him out of wood chipper, put him back together, you know, and then it no, made they that... didn't acknowledge that Pepe was killed in WCW. I don't know if you have on Raw right now, real real quick, change, change the subject real quick. Who is the dude that is with AJ Styles? Is that his new bodyguard? Oh, my God. That dude, he's got to be at least 7'2". When he so was, that was uh, Akira Tozawa's ninja. giant ninja. Okay, um, because when he is standing on the floor outside of the ring, his head is still as tall as the top rope. Oh, my. Anyway, back to Chavo. Um, I like what Chavo was doing in the WWE. Well, except for the, the Kerwin selfie thing, that, that whole thing. Or the no, um, Kerwin White. Kerwin White. Yeah, that. The current white thing, I was I didn't dig on that, but the other stuff because I mean he's part of the great Guerrero family, you know. Dad being you know what Chavo, you know Granddad being Gory Guerrero, the inventor of the camel clutch, and you know you, I don't think I ever really saw a bad match out of Chavo. I mean I think, you know it's a shame he didn't get more main event type uh, matches. You know, but I mean, he was great. At least I thought he was, and obviously you thought he was too, because we both have him ranked pretty high. Well, the 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 hard thing was they gave the Eddie tribute spot to Rey Mysterio, and you overlook his his cousin or his blood in Chavo Guerrero. And that could have made Chavo a star. But as as they did it, multiple-time tag team champion in WWE, obviously a cruiserweight champion, never, never seemed to elevate to the Intercontinental or, or the Workers' Championship. He did get the ECW title. And I believe he lost it to Kane in, what, eight seconds at WrestleMania? Uh, 11 seconds? I'll have to go look. Um, I I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, And then commented how Cena had sold out and was keeping other wrestlers back and not evolving in his matches. And obviously got fired. But without Chavo Guerrero Jr. in WWE, you don't get Chavo Classic. And I could see this doing you doing this with your child, 
and your name being Steve Classic. <laughs> well, um, I don't even know where to go after that. <laughs> but well, actually, I'll just go ahead and and I will move on to another, um, actually another wrestler from a famous wrestling family from Mexico. Uh, Andrade Cien Omas, also known as just Andrade. I've liked him ever since I first saw him. Like This dude is good. And I had no idea he was third generation until later on. Um, his hammerlock DDT, I think, is one of the most original finishing moves. Um, you don't see it very often, and it's a move that you can do on anybody. And his move set is great. I mean, and he looks very believable in the ring. He he does, but he uh, definitely has not been utilized on the main roster properly. It, it seems in it America. Seems like- He's definitely done better in NXT than he has in WWE. Well, it seems like they push him and then they drop. And then he pushes him a little bit and then he drops. I mean, it's, you know, it's up and down, up and down. It's almost like they can't make up their mind. But here you go. He's. In, in he's more famous in Mexico, and, and a completely different level of fame as La Sombra. You know what that means, right? La Sombra. Yes. La Sombra is death. He's the shadow. Shadow. I like that. So won all sorts of titles in the Mexican Wrestling Federation, CMLL. He won the New Japan IWGP Intercontinental Championship. And as far as wrestling groups, was a founding member of Los Ingobernables or the Ungovernables that was famous for for a good couple years overseas. And then com- comes to WWE because they want the next Hispanic star and they they just utilize him like garbage. And maybe that's Vince once again going by. Well, he's not that big. Well, he's matter. one. He's he he is cut. So he's my height. Like two, six one two ten, two ten is not like a small man. Not for like us. I mean, that's my height, and well, about a hundred pounds less than me. But you know, and I'm definitely not cut anymore. Uh, I don't even know if I was cut, to be honest with you. I may have been. But anyway, but for a wrestler, in the wrestling world, 6-1, I mean, is actually considered, you know, on the smaller side of things. But, but looks like a giant next to AJ Styles, 
Daniel Bryan. But he also looks like a giant, you know, standing next to Zelina Vega, too. Right. Which is funny. Pairing, but why, why do you hire a, a Hispanic star and not have him be bilingual on television? Yeah, that to me, I mean, because we know he's bilingual. I mean, he's from Mexico, and we've heard him speak English. Yes, I mean, yeah, that's a very good point, is why don't they do that? Because, you know, the guy, other guys, they're associated with him now with Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo. You know, they actually had them speaking Spanish. So, I mean, maybe they should. He can. I mean, it's, you know, his first language. Um, and just the weird connections I just want to point out, um, he's actually engaged to Ashley Fleer, also known as Charlotte Flair. You know, so... Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you knew that, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, see, he's engaged to Charlotte Flair. Zelina Vega is actually married to Aleister Black. So I don't get why they don't put the couples together on the screen. To me, that would make, especially the married couple, it would make a little more sense. But anyway, I digress. Um, and we should we should probably move on because we have a habit of we get to rambling about one particular spot and then next thing you know we're going oh crap here's number one you know we'll do it in like ten seconds so before we move on to number five I will go ahead and take our next commercial break and we are back now since we just had to mention Ric Flair and. You know, we all knew Ric Flair was very famous as part of the Four Horsemen. And one of his Four Horsemen uh, brethren was the great Tully Blanchard. We just have to mention his daughter, Tessa Blanchard, as our number five. And this is also, you know, for those of you scoring at home, our top five were almost identical. Because you and I both have Tessa Blanchard at number five. Yep. And the first woman to hold the world title of a any wrestling organization, not the women's world title, heavyweight title. And she did that a few months ago. Well, right before COVID hit, and of course they released her, the most dominant woman's wrestler on television definitely took over TNA men men's and women's side and we're just waiting for COVID to end so she can choose her next destination And, you know, we mentioned her dad, you know, being totally Blanchard, obviously. You know, her granddad, Joe Blanchard, that's what, you know, third generation. But we also, we'd be remiss to not mention her stepdad being Terry Allen, also known as Magnum T.A. So you think that she may have gotten a whole lot of training from several different sources? There's a reason she's so good. There's a pretty good reason. 
Well, the just the dedication to her craft. She's put on a substantial amount of muscle since she started and went into it in detail at Stone Cold's podcast when he he talked to her. But she has gotten noticeably better in the last three years. And say she goes to WWE, the storylines that she could have with Charlotte Flair are the women who claim to be the four horsemen or the four horsewomen. Those could be legendary must-see TV moments. And, you know, I was sort of thinking that would we put her would we put her in a storyline fighting Charlotte or would we put her in the storyline teaming with Charlotte or start one way and then um, eventually at some point segue to the other way, you know, um, maybe have them teaming at first and then have one turn on the other later on. Right. I'd watch it. I would as well. And, And ironically for, uh, third generation list. We go back to back with women here with Natty Nightheart, who number four, who coincidentally enough was just on the TV. <laughs> Straight up, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if you have on Raw right now, but yeah, she was actually just on. They were showing flashbacks from last week or the week before where she and Lana, you know, kind of split up because Lana's getting her to fight Oscar. Anyway, but Natty Neidhart, and once again, we both have her at number four, um, and for good reason. And even though you pointed this out a few weeks ago when we did the enhancement talents, that they've been using her as almost like a jobber to the stars lately for some reason, which is a shame. But, right. you know, um, but once again, this is the her dad – you know, being Jim the Anvil, but then her granddad being Stu Hart, which also makes her a cousin of an earlier entry, um, David Hart Smith. Um, but, I mean, that pedigree is definitely there. Um, no, tr- very physical submission-based wrestler. She... Uh, was brought in as first uh, like a valet or a manager for the Hart Dynasty and the initial version and then became a wrestler as they opened up the women's divisions, first as a diva and then as an actual women's champion. And I know... Probably... She's... Tough. I mean, that's the first thing, honestly, when it comes to Natty Neidhart. First thing that pops in my mind is she's she's very, very tough. But she she's tough, and you ever think about people who just go with the flow too much? Um, 
or you trying to you saying that she maybe phoned it in some? No, I'm I'm saying instead of sticking up for herself, like she's had a farting gimmick, she's had a weight gimmick, a cat gimmick. So she's a company woman, like so. Well, some yeah. company man. She'll go with whatever they ask her to do. And she she's turned as many times as the Big Show. Yeah. And and it's a shame because she she does have a personality, as seen on the the Divas television show. I wouldn't know. I'd, I'd try to stay away from that one. Still better than what they put out on Raw. <laughs> like I said, I will take your word for it. So I, I've had to watch that on many of uh, an airplane where you've got seven channels and you just got to put up with the most watchable on a five-hour flight. Oh, well, in that case, I, I would just I'd, I would just put the headphones on and not watch anything. I, I've caught bits and pieces of Divas, um, but uh, it, anyway. <laughs> but... Um, 38, still going strong. Obviously, with T.J. Wilson or Tyson Kidd, she's made millions. Yeah. And when her dad passed away, um, it was right before the SummerSlam, uh, was it two years ago? Right. And when she came out wearing his jacket, the same jacket that he had worn uh to her SummerSlam, you know, however many years before it was. I mean, I thought that was one of the um, best tributes I'd ever seen. You know, didn't have to say anything. She just wore that jacket, and everybody knew it, what it was for. But that definitely goes with the flow a little too much and has had to deal with, like, her shoot interview over some of the booking things when she eventually, like, leaves the company, it's going to be pretty good. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Um, but our number three, and this will be the last one that we totally, totally agree on. Um, we've already mentioned his brother. Now we've got to mention him. The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. Real name, Wyndham Rotunda. So, again, uh, another guy that WWE has not utilized properly. And And I'd argue that The Fiend is overexposed right now. And, you know, what I was saying about Andrade earlier, it's like they're pushing him. uh, They're not. They're pushing him not. It's even more so with Bray. Because when the Wyatt family, I mean, they were – smoking hot there for a little bit, but then, you know, at WrestleMania 30, you know, he lost to Cena. Yeah, he he got crushed. The the moment where he had the crowd and all the kids singing, I got the whole world in my hands. Yes. One of the creepiest moments ever on television. 
Yeah, especially with, with all the kids wearing the sheet masks. And you feed him to Super Cena. And then later on, you know, feeding the whole Wyatt family, having, I mean, I know this isn't brave, but having Eric Rowan lose in five seconds to The Rock on what, <laughs> WrestleMania, WrestleMania 32. Um, but with Bray, him getting injured obviously didn't help matters, you know, but he uh, he won, was it the WWE title or was it the Universal title that he eventually lost to uh, Randy Orton at the WrestleMania where they had the frickin' uh, displays shown on the mat with, like, the worms, which was one of the dumbest things I think I've ever seen at a WrestleMania. Um, but I like the fact they did give him the title. Um, I mean, you you knew what was going to happen with it because as soon as you saw who won the Rumble that year, you knew, okay, they're going to give it to Randy. Again, um, him getting hurt and then the little, little the issue with him, you know, leaving his wife for JoJo and, of course, you know, them having a kid. I don't know if they're married now or not. but Two kids. Oh, they have two kids now. Two kids. Wow. Um, and I know that, pretty sure that didn't do him any favors. Um, you know, but I like the Fiend character somewhat. I wish they would kind of stick one way or the other. Like you said, overexposed. Because if they're going to have him out there, have him do something. You know, Coming out there now, Alexa Bliss is aligned with him. And that's not a bad move. I, I like Alexa Bliss, and she is probably one of the best heels the company's ever had when they have her as a heel. But um, I don't know. I mean, I just wish – hopefully – I mean, right now the push doesn't seem like it's it's going down like the way it used to with the yo-yo – uh, pushes they were giving him up down up down up down well it, it depends what they're going to do with Alexa Bliss and him together this could be very compelling or they could find a way to mess this up too and see and this is when they need to bring in Bo as the next um, Wyatt family member and really put him with Aleister Black it only makes sense. The characters are so much alike. Put them aligned together. But anyway. But in, in, instead, they find a way to keep them ho-hum, and they put more of that retribution crap out there. Oh, yeah, they had a fight in retribution earlier. It was, it was interesting. Um. Yeah, because in Retribution, okay, are they faces or heels? I imagine they're probably heels, but then you have them going against <coughs> MVP's crew. Well, I can't remember their name. I literally just saw them. I'm getting old, I'm telling you. Bar and Mace and Rape Kit. And... Well, I'm talking about um, MVP, Bobby Lashley. Oh, the Hurt Business. Hurt Business, yes. Which I like them. Good faction, good name, very believable. Are they faces or heels? Make up your mind, people. You know, 
I, and I think they'd be much better off as heels because um, I can't see them being underdogs in any way. Because, I mean, they're just too big, too good. But anyway, we were talking about Bray Wyatt. Um, I'm hoping, like I said, I hope that this push actually lasts and they don't waste him like they have in the past. But only time will tell. And, you know, we'll just have to see. Um, Now, although Bray Wyatt's number three, uh, logically, we'd be moving to number two. But logically. before, logically, we would. However, um, it just sounded like Howard Finkel. However, the belt cannot change hands in the, the event of a draw, in this case. We have a tie for number one, and before we move on to the number one, we'll go ahead and mention our honorable mentions which we spoke about this before. I said, I'll just mention the late, the Von Erichs, um third generation as just one family. But that'd be Lacey, who's the daughter of Carrie Von Erich, um, and then Ross and Marsha Von Erich, who are the sons of Kevin Von Erich, you know, grandkids of Fritz Von Erich. Um, Lacey, you know, who's got a little bit more recognition than her cousins, but we also said they were more up-and-comers. That's the best way to put it, wouldn't you say? Definitely Ross and Marshall are up-and-comers. And if their lineage, if they wrestle like their dads and their granddad before that, they had the potential to be playing superstars. You know, Kind of like the son of the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase Jr. Now he I bit, think they blew it with him. Oh, good God, yeah, they did. Because when they had him and Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas, they weren't all three of them part of a faction at one point? The legacy was... Uh... That should have went on for another year, and they they could have wrestled and headlined WrestleMania. I think actually yes, they called him the Legacy, but I think a good name for them should have been Generation Three. That fits in with what we're talking about. Um, and then our last honorable mention was David Finley. Now, he is the son of Fit Finley, I believe. Yes. And another up-and-comer who potential for greatness. Hopefully, you know, he reaches it. And hopefully, um, with his dad uh, being actually a pretty good trainer, from what I understand. So... You know, well, his dad was responsible for the women's training before a house show incident got him fired. What was the incident? I'm actually not familiar with that. Something with military veterans 
and Vince McMahon heard about it, fired him for it. I will have to look that up. You know, so we covered all audible mentions, and we have we have some time left, and we're going to be needing some time to discuss our tie for number one. Yeah, so before we get to our number one, let's go ahead and take our last commercial break. And we are back. So do you want to mention your number one first, or do you want me to mention my number one first? Now, I'm pretty sure for all the wrestling fans scoring at home, I'm going to guess they know already who our two number ones are. So I will go first, and I will list my reasons why I chose him. Okay. And, and you can come back at me. We made a list of the mo- the best third-generation wrestlers. And, and Randy Orton, my number one, has been wrestling since 2003. 14-time world heavyweight champion. He's got a finishing maneuver, the RKO, out of nowhere. That is multiple multiple times gone viral with with different different events. Two time Royal Rumble winner, Money in the Bank winner, United States champion, tag team champion. Intercontinental champion. And he never left. Well, except for how many wellness violations has he had? Allegedly two. (laughs) Yeah. However... However, you, you cannot look at The Rock and not know he's got a pharmaceutical advantage. Well, my number one, The Rock, is one of the most recognizable names in all of wrestling, period, to the point where people who aren't even wrestling fans, and who and this is really before, well, the acting didn't hurt, obviously, but he has become a name that is on the level of Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin. Um, his charisma and his promos are unmatched by, you know, there's very few people that can match his level of promos. I'll just put it like that. I mean, he's talking like, you know, I think his promos are even better than Flair's at times. Um, Cena, any of them. I'll put The Rock against any of them. When it comes to the promos, um, great look, great, you know, well, great skill that he doesn't always use, and I'll admit that. But then again, you know, neither does RKO, because um, Orton's matches, um, they become kind of formulaic lately, you know. But he's not the only one, so I think I don't think that's a Randy Orton issue. I think that's a WWE um, issue, but. With me, The Rock, it was more of the recognition um, because 
um, how do I put this? His accomplishments seemed to mean a little bit more at the time because he was right there with Stone Cold, and he was headlining uh, the WrestleManias during the Attitude Era. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from Randy Orton. I mean, obviously, you know, he was my number two. So, but it was the wellness violations that, to me, is what kind of pushed Randy down uh, just a little bit. Because yeah, The Rock went away. You know, he's gone away to do movies. But that doesn't mean, you know, his accomplishments when he was a wrestler also went away. No, his accomplishments didn't go away, but his time period of greatness, one can argue that Bray Wyatt has had a more active career than The Rock in wrestling. The list is about wrestlers, not everything they've accomplished outside of the ring. Oh, I'm not talking about what he accomplished. You know, I'm not talking about his acting. Um, well, how many times did you hear the catchphrase, you know, um, if you smell what The Rock is cooking from people who weren't even wrestling fans because they heard us say it at work? His catchphrases were good, but his promos were, I don't want to say formulaic, but he kind of said the same thing quite often. Whereas Randy, back down hotel, I'm going to shine this up real nice and shove it up your. Right. Which is still more than what Randy's saying. I can't think of any good Randy promos. Like, not not on the level as The Rock. So, promo-wise, no. Personality-wise, can you name a few other than Austin? Uh, Obviously, because that was the two biggest stars during the biggest post-Hogan period in wrestling. Actions that were more diabolical than Randy Orton taking out the McMahon family and punting Stephanie McMahon before his WrestleMania match with Triple H. More diabolical? Actually, I'll be it, honest uh, with you, Randy Orton hit with him um, attacking Edge, you know, right as all the COVID stuff happened. That, to me, was actually even more diabolical because Edge had just come back. Now Edge is actually hurt again. That's, you know, I don't I don't think that he should have come back anyway, but that's a story for, you know, another day. Um, but, yeah, I just um, – I tried. I mean, I, I weighed them against each other, which one I thought. And at the end of the day, I mean, it, it was really close. I mean, I will, put, I will say that. It wasn't like I just said, oh, screw that, The Rock's it. You know, everybody else is just fighting for number two. No, I mean, I knew even when I was making the list, I was like, it's going to come down between uh, The Rock and Randy Orton. And, you know, to me it was The Rock, barely. Because, I mean, like I said, I'm not going to take away any of the accomplishments that Randy's done. But it was – like, it, it was so hard – 
Randy Orton is a star during the the wrestling down period, which is post what WCW buyout to now. Well, they both they both won the world titles pretty early in their career. Um, Randy, I think at the time was the youngest world champion ever. Um, but if you look at the, but he actually started as age wise. Um, he started earlier than what the rock did. So, I mean, but so I think they won the world title for the first time at pretty much the same stage in their career, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Randy was early. Oh yeah. He was early. So was the rock. It was very hard because you have The Rock and you have how many years of great moments? Four? Before he went Hollywood? Um, Scorpion King, or or it was The Mummy Returns. That was the first movie he was in. And then The Scorpion King. And But it, it, they were supposed to be just... Um, one-time things, and you know it wasn't meant to be a career. But then they figured out he's actually a pretty good actor, and now he apparently he's the highest-paid actor in all of Hollywood, without question. Yeah, <laughs> which I never, never would have thought that. But you know, good on him. I mean, you know, congratulations to him. And I know, yeah, that's kind of a, a detractor, just like uh, saying about Randy having the, the wellness violations. It was also, to me, that was the one thing that kind of pushed him down a little bit because The Rock never had the wellness violations. And, and you know of. He well, also that we, didn't have the wellness program. It didn't exist. Rock was gone before that even started. Well, I mean, even if they did have it, um, if you notice, I mean, Randy Orton's one of their biggest stars. He's been popped. Roman Reigns also got popped, you know, when he was, um, you know, on so the top of the game. So what say The Rock wouldn't have gotten popped? I think that if he was on something, um, they would have got him off of it. So you you have a penalty under a criteria that Randy Orton is penalized for because he had to take drug tests, whereas The Rock did not. So there was nobody during that time period that was... Uh, and you can't tell me they did drug tests because Triple H was so juiced up during that time period. <laughs> You can't look at him and not know he was taking eight steroids. No, oh, that's why Scott Steiner, when he was there, he actually said, you want me to take a drug test? You show me Triple H's first. And that's when I kind of back Triple H up in the limo. Yeah. So anyway, um, our tie for number one, Randy Orton, son of Bob, grandson of Bob Sr., and The Rock, son of... Rocky Johnson, and then I didn't know this until yesterday, the step 
grandson of Peter Maivia. Right. Yes, I, I thought that Peter Maivia was his biological grandfather. I didn't I didn't realize it was actually his step grandfather. But you know what? So we knew it was his grandfather. That's his grandfather. But as far as wrestling memories, The Rock winning his first heavyweight championship against Mankind in 98 in that first version of the corporation when he had uh, pectoral surgery and wrestled in that tracksuit and that shirt like for first runs of a heavyweight champion tremendously memorable yep but well Kyle we just received our cue that it's time to kind of wrap it up um next week boys and girls we're actually doing a little bit different normally we run our top 10 list every other week but because of some of the shows we have scheduled in the future we are actually going to run another top 10 list next week in which case it's going to be the top 10 scariest wrestlers and obviously you know this is an honor of halloween coming up so how do you think coming up with a list of scary wrestlers is going to be as hard as coming up with the, the top 10 third generation not at all, and I already told you I'm picking the gobbledygooker. Gobbledygooker. Okay, it's supposed to be the top ten scariest, not the top ten dumbest ideas ever, even though that'll be a, a good top ten for a future one. Top ten dumbest ideas ever. But next week, top ten scariest wrestlers. And if we, Don't forget if, to put the Yeti in your list. The Yeti? Um, maybe. We'll see. Um, or top ten scariest gimmicks actually is what we remember. But top ten scariest gimmicks, scariest wrestling. So, but until next week, my friend, we'll definitely be staying in touch, and I hope the rest of your week goes by pretty well. And you too, man. All right, see ya. Bye.